0: hey guys and welcome back to another episode of the finding your freedom podcast i am so excited that you guys are here and if you've been listening and loving the show as always please rate and review on apple Podcasts. that helps more people find the show and yeah that's important because i want this to grow and take off because i'm proud of um what i'm doing and what i'm creating And if you're new to the show, I'm Madeline. I'm Madeline Bailey. I'm the host of the show. Um, Yeah, I started it in 2020, right before the chaos (laughs) ensued in the world and been wanting to have a podcast for a couple years. And I'm super, 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 super (laughs) grateful that I do and that I made this podcast. And yeah, in addition to this podcast, I also share a lot on Instagram which that link will be in the bio and also have a coaching business and teach different workshops and things like that. Um, Yeah and you can figure out about some of those things by going to my Instagram and my email list that'll be starting soon. Yeah you can find out more about things there when I get that started and just on Instagram and on the podcast and yeah, this month I'm gonna be taking a new coaching client, so just reach out to me on Instagram or on my email if you're interested, and like I've been saying, there are a lot of new stuff to come, a lot of restructuring, a lot of revamping with the podcast with my business. so I'm really excited about that um yeah, as far as any life updates, I'm still still on the other banks, kind of figuring out the next step, and the past week has been a uh, it's been a roller coaster ride of emotions um that I'm not going to completely get into yet but it has been a lot the past 5 days have definitely been a lot and i genuinely can't think of a better episode for today and for mercury retrograde because this episode is going to be all about communication you know in relationships self-knowledge and how we can use that self-knowledge to communicate effectively in romantic relationships with our family with our friends and I just like I genuinely wish I could send this podcast episode to every person on the planet because I all I think all of us can be better communicators and the way many of us had communication modeled to us um, was very passive aggressive or very aggressive and unclear and so much unspoken and uh, my Mars is in Cancer and I'm very much like, this doesn't work and I'm sad and why are people being like this? So I've always, and there's lots of Gemini and Virgo and Mercury in my chart too. So I've always been very interested in communication and where it's messing up and breaking down. And this episode is just so helpful. It was so, I it took me so long to put it out and to edit it because I was just continually re-listening to things Caitlin had to say because I needed to hear them too. And I was learning and growing so much from re-listening to our conversation. So I really hope that you guys do too. And I'm going to work on getting um, a YouTube channel set up so you guys can like watch the episodes too. Because I know that's a thing people like to do. And it's also fun to like watch the interviews kind of, you know, on your computer if you have like an Apple TV or something that allows you to do that with YouTube. So I'm working on that. I'm upgrading. I'm upscaling. I'm doing all the things. (laughs) I'm still on my moon cycle right now. So I'm trying to move slow in all the chaos and trying to move slow in Mercury retrograde. And I suggest you do too. Uh, Next week, I'm probably going to have an episode kind of about relationships or seasonal self-care. So stay tuned for that. We'll see what is landing for me next week. And Again, cannot think of a better time for this episode. I'm so excited for you guys to listen, and I just know you're going to get so much out of it, especially if you're in a romantic relationship. I think you're just going to get so much out of it. So I don't want to wait any longer, so I'm going to introduce our guest. Um, Caitlin Peterson is a licensed clinical social worker, certified heart-centered hypnotherapist, and Toltec Warrior Goddess Training Facilitator. She has been working in client services for 15 years. She helps clients as a guide to support her clients as they cross the bridge from a place of self-doubt, victimization, and recurrent crises to live lives full of awareness, personal responsibility, self-compassion, and joy. Caitlin fundamentally believes everyone has the answers within them to transform their lives. It is in session with clients. It is in session that clients learn ancient Toltec techniques to align mind, body, and soul through the subconscious mind. This is your journey back home to your intrinsically loving and eternal soul. While clients may already know what their issues are, they often come to Caitlin feeling stuck in life, desiring deeper healing to break through and move forward into the life they really want to be living. When it's in your soul's best interests, the time to embody yourself fully to create the necessary adjustments needed to reach your goals will come. Deeper awareness and compassion and connection to the most vulnerable parts of the self will give you a sense of being whole and complete. Whether clients are working with Caitlin together in a workshop, coaching circles, individually through counseling, with your partner, or with your family, the goals are the same. To heal, to love, to grow. So much good stuff in this episode, guys. Don't want to wait any longer. Um, Give it a listen. Give it to your family. Give it to your friends. Give it to your partner. Um, Soak it in so we can all communicate better in our lives and during Mercury retrograde, of course. So excited. Okay. So the first question that I ask everyone, because it's the finding your freedom podcast Mm -hmm. is what have you been finding your freedom from lately?
1: Finding my freedom from. Mm -hmm. So where, so in what areas of my life did I feel trapped or controlled in and how, is that what you mean?
0: Yeah, it could either, I feel like people answer it whatever way feels best for them, like something potentially negative they're finding freedom from or an activity that is giving them freedom. So whatever feels good for you.
1: Got you. love that.
0: Well, I'll tell you um,
1: something that I'm finding freedom from it was the flood because my basement was full of, things that i had been holding on to from my physical center my like my brick and mortar center that we closed down during covid um and so when the flood came everything was ruined um and i didn't know how i was possibly going to clean it up and move past all of this but um, what's come through is like knowing that I can overcome this and I have a great network of resources and people to help. And all of those things that I held on to really were just weighing me down and now I don't have them and I have a cleaner space. And so that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I feel like sometimes the universe like has things happen in our life that like force us to ask for help when we don't, want to or we've like struggled to ask for help in the past and then you're yeah. amazed by how much you are like helped
1: totally or or exactly the right like it was not my um vision of what help would look like I have I definitely have asked for direction of like what should I do with the couch and the rug and the books and the you know um and so there it goes it's like oh it's time to let it go
0: Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of like an experience and like non-attachment too. when I first moved to Boston, U-Haul lost like all of my furniture. (sighs) and I was like, okay, all right. I guess bye. (laughs) Like there's nothing, literally nothing I can do
1: now. Wow. That's exactly the kind of feeling. It's just like that freedom of like, well, I did the best that I could and this is out of my control totally out of my control and that's
0: okay. Yeah there's some sort of feeling of like moving on and moving forward when things are just kind of like taken away in such a um, I guess like an out of control fashion. Yeah. But I am yeah. so excited for today's conversation and to just talk about communication because you know I'm Virgo, Gemini, Gemini all ruled by Mercury. I am all about communication <laughs> and noticing that people are not always doing it super effectively. Um, But before we get kind of more into that and triggers and like how to work with that, I'd love to hear just, you know, a little bit of like, you know, how did you know you wanted to be a therapist and kind of how did you transition into this work that you're doing now? Great question. So uh,
1: I am a cancer Leo cancer. Um, And so from the very beginning of my life, I was born into this world um, very curious and concerned for the well-being. I was uh, quite intuitive as a child. My, my family would call me like the sixth sense girl because I was like picking up on things that no one was talking about and calling people out on their energy when um, they might have been, like you said, like not very good at communicating it. Um, so I always had this interest and intrigue into people's behavior and their suffering, um, what was, what was happening underneath the surface. And, um, then, uh, that led me to study psychology. Psychology was super interesting to me. I loved learning about the neuroscience of the brain and what functions, um, in neurotypical people versus people who are suffering from other things. And, um, when I was in in college studying psychology, I became uh, a, a social service uh, coordinator or case manager for a nonprofit as an intern. And I learned very like black and white, like here's a problem, here's the solution, this is the result type of case management. And then when I realized that as much as we can, f- you know, put a problem into a formula and get results for folks, what they really benefited and what had the you know the longer, more sustainable effect on these individuals' lives was our relationship and my ability to listen and hold space for their story. And um when I had that level of just curiosity and respect and amazement for what they've gone through, they've ended up they were ending up um, taking more leaps of empowerment for themselves. And so that led me to wanting to study more of the psychology uh, and counseling part of social work and, and and see how I could possibly integrate both the coaching and case management piece of social services with healing trauma and uh, helping them understand just the impact their lives have had on their perception of, of the reality that they're in. And then you know, years passed. I did different things. And now I'm in my own private practice.
0: Yeah. yeah. I love the way, I love the way you said that. Cause I think that's such a, like a breakthrough moment for people of mm-hmm. how can we recognize that the things that have happened to us and the way that we were raised and the different traumas we've experienced shape this reality that we see our world through and the way that we interact with ourselves and every other person in this world. And I think that's like such a profound realization, because for so long, so many people are just responding the way they respond without any awareness of, oh, this is interesting that I'm responding to this in this certain way. Right. It's very true. It's very
1: human of us. We all do it. And so if you have the opportunity to learn and to see that reaction and understand why you're having that perception and that dictates your behavior in certain situations um that's really where the power lies and where you can start um making a better decision of what you want for yourself
0: Uh, yeah definitely Mm -hmm. i know that this is like um a big question (laughs) but kind of like what say your person that for most of your life, you're kind of realizing like, wow, the way I've been communicating, it's just been a lot of projection and passive aggressive behavior. And like, we, I feel like I don't really get anywhere when I communicate in partnerships or friendships, or there's kind of blowout fights with no resolution. Mm -hmm. Like kind of how do you start being a better communicator in your relationships and, you know, communicating your own needs and communicating with yourself.
1: Hmm. Well, that's what I always say. The first conversation you need to have is with yourself. Um, but how do we get to that place of, Hey, I need to see this. I need to really look at this is when we find patterns, when we keep having the same problems in our lives with, with bosses or coworkers or significant others or family friends or like, wait a second, I keep feeling this way. And these situations keep repeating, huh, what am I contributing? What am I doing to create this pattern in my life? Um, and then from that curiosity, hopefully, there's not layers and layers of shame and guilt. Um, but if there is, it's really a, a, a journey towards self-compassion and, and understanding that this is not your fault that you're like this, but it's your responsibility to understand what's underneath the chaos and the passive aggressiveness and the, you know, whatever else is happening, what you've called the projections that we do.
0: Yeah. And I think that's super interesting. So I was just re-listening to the live that you did with Colin and kind of listening, Mm -hmm. listening to the idea that like, there's the there are these internal narratives we hold about ourselves that are controlling kind of these patterns. Like I, like, I think like personally a narrative I had was like, I have to do everything alone. And then it was like, when there would be a situation that would trigger that again, it was like an extreme emotional response to again, no one's there for me and I have to do everything alone. And I think like over time we build up so many of these like core beliefs like that, that, make situations that would maybe not be that triggering, really triggering because they're affirming this, like, I don't know, painful narrative that we've held about ourselves.
1: That's exactly what we all do. We all do it. So perhaps your and my beliefs are different about ourselves and the world, but they're still impactful and they're, they, they, they hold a lot of worth in our, um, deciphering what to do next. So if your belief is that I gotta do everything on my own, people are not trustworthy. Um, you might pull out of relationships or shut yourself down, um, when there has been a mistake or when there has been a misunderstanding, um, instead of wanting to work towards a resolution. Definitely. (laughs) You can see how your belief as it's been reaffirmed through another situation um actually causes what you don't want to happen, which is disconnection and isolation. Although it is what you expect. So you basically recreate a pattern um, over and over again uh, that causes suffering
0: to you. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in this new relationship that I've been in, I've like, I feel like it's been the safest feeling relationship that I've ever been, which has actually brought up so much more self-awareness of my patterns because I think it's, it's made me realize how much I did not, like it did not trust men to my core.
1: Yep. So now you don't have an excuse, right? So now you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't necessarily fit that perception. Even if you try to, Oh, see, here he is. He's doing it. Oh wait, no, he's not. Shit. That's on me. Excuse me for cursing, (laughs) but like, that's, that's what we do.
0: Yes. Yes. And I've, I've had situations where like, I'm trying to make him out to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. To
1: justify your fear that I shouldn't be wanting to get close to this person. He has all the identifying characteristics that I've been told. And I've been telling myself not to get close to.
0: Yes. So I'm like, let me just like, try to make him the bad guy. So I can affirm everything that I've always held to be true that, I can't trust men. Right. When he's actually actually, doing nothing. (laughs) The
1: other part of that, um, which is really important for us to understand when we talk about self-awareness, is that a lot of that belief of men is actually a projection of how you feel towards yourself. Right. So underneath that belief is another one that says something about I am unsafe. I am not good enough to feel safe with a man there is something wrong with me that makes men do this and right so then like instead of uh, um turning against yourself you turn against get them
0: yeah yeah interesting (laughs) you can always like take it a million levels deeper
1: yeah 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 and that's the that's almost like um the fun part of the work that I do with people is that we, we take away the shame and in judgment of our beliefs because we all, like, that's what I always try to say in the beginning. Like, we all have this manual that we've written and it's time-tested. This is, some of it is generational and it's been passed down through our lineage. Like, none of this is personal. It's just the way our brain works. So when we can look at it from a very almost scientific and and anthropological way it's okay to say that that's my belief because it's it's not personal it's just the way that I've been perceiving things yeah it takes away
0: the power yeah I think I think the more I like learned about the brain and neuroscience like the more ability I had to like let go of shame in certain ways like you know learning that like anxiety is like evolutionarily like needed and like that our brain is designed to keep us safe and like our brain is just collecting data and like I think all of those things take away some of the shame when you have like the knowledge of like this is just how my brain is supposed to operate and now I have a choice to choose to see things differently
1: exactly right that's the beautiful part about what you're doing with this podcast is to teach people that they are not broken that this is you know as much as we want to say that this is our fault and because guilt makes us smaller and so that then we don't have to try so hard to live up to what we can live up to it it it, it takes the pressure off of performing say oh now once i know the mechanics of all of this now that I know how this world and how I fit into it works, I can change. Definitely. Hopefully communication
0: um, is a big part of that, of learning who you are through relationships. A big part of changing. Yeah. I definitely want to get into like triggers and like what is happening in our body and everything when, when we're activated, when we're communicating, when something comes up for us, but I yeah, I had this realization the other day too and I was like I'm going to I'm going to share it <laughs> on the podcast. But um yeah, I had a realization that I I think I was like trying to force safety in other relationships where it wasn't actually there. Wow. And I was like wanting to share more when it mm-hmm. wasn't there and like in this relationship I feel so safe that it's so easy for me to share my feelings. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think I just had like so much awareness of before, like, I was trying to share this level of depth with people that weren't actually safe enough. And now that I'm in a relationship where it feels safe enough to share that, like, there's just such a difference. And I don't know, it's just that nice. beautiful. Congratulations. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Yay, Yay for safety. <laughs> Yay for, you know, what Brene says, you know, Brene Brown. Like, you have to earn people, need to earn the right to your story, right? Yes. Um, and I think that that can be true um, for everybody, including yourself. Like, I need to feel safe enough with myself to know my story, to see it, you know? And um, so, like, first is really to formulate and to sustain safety within yourself. And that you can, you can start to open up, not because you seek safety out from other people, but because you're already safe. And if they reject your story, Mm -hmm. if they're not on the same level to get to the depth that you have the ability to get to, you're still okay.
0: I think the person, yeah, the personal safety is such a big, a big thing. So I feel like when I started learning more and diving deeper into my story, There was such, um, I don't think I felt safe enough to handle all of it at first. Um, And there was like a part of me that just like wanted to run and like never speak to my therapist ever again. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard work. This is not just venting.
1: You don't just vent in counseling. You, you actually start to see yourself and to see like, you know, it's layers upon layers of, of things that you can, 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 can heal. Yes, like,
0: like an onion.
1: (laughs) An onion or like layers of laminate flooring in a basement. It's like, oh, here's another one. Oh, here's another one.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I guess kind of just with like trigger and I know on like the live you broke it down so well of kind of like you're in this experience and you're feeling triggered and kind of, you know, what is your body feeling? Like, what is your escape strategy? What, um, what is the story? And then from that kind of moving towards communicating. So I'd love to kind of hear more about those, like those steps in that or what you're experiencing.
1: So the first step really is to understand that being triggered is part of being alive. It's It's a It's almost just a sign of, of you participating in this life. And when we're triggered, it's our nervous system reacting to a perceived threat. And that threat can be anywhere from I'm fearing for my safety, my physical safety, my emotional safety, my psychological safety, my career safety, all of that. Right? So it's not just about the tiger is coming. It can be a form of, of, psychological, like I just said, all of those things. So it's really about like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling tense or identifying when your thoughts start racing. But there's usually this connection to body that's really helpful. Um, so what I usually do with clients is when they're about to recount something, when they're going into a story about something that, that that's happened to them in the past or recently, I'll ask them, where do you where do you feel it in your body when you're recalling the story? And then I'll ask them to let go of the story and just to see the feeling come up. So we'll talk about the preemptive, like, uh-oh, the trigger happens and what was the immediate emotional feeling in the body. And they say, like, your issues are in the tissues, right? So when you go into the physical body you'll not only find that situation you were in, but you'll find moments in the past where you had the same emotional response to something. And that's usually tied to one of those beliefs that we had talked about before. So if the boyfriend that you're now dating, the guy that you're dating now is um, triggering the feeling of, of not being um, a priority. Okay. So if he's distracted and, doing something and, and hasn't responded to you, you might feel in your body, the urge to run. Right. I'm just making this up, but if you could go into your body, you might feel really tense. You might feel the shallow breath. You might feel your legs getting antsy. And if you can feel that, then you'll come, you can say, Oh, that usually is a reminder that I'm feeling not like I'm a priority. I'm feeling less worthy. I'm feeling not respected. And then you go into the story of like, well, what does that emotion have to do with the situation? And then you tell yourself what you're perceiving. And then you go into the truth. Well, what's really happening? I understand this is a long time pattern of thoughts for me. Like this stems back from when my parents overworked and they were not around or whatever the story is, wherever the belief came from. And you can follow it through the manual. This is the belief. Oh, this is the origin. This is how I manage it. I go take a bubble bath. I go call a friend. I go do that project that I've been procrastinating against. I take care of myself. And that becomes the intention. So you work yourself through the emotional, physical feeling. You tell yourself the story. You go through the truth chamber. And then you set your intention of what to do about it. And if there's still a need, to express hey when I haven't heard from you for six hours I went into this belief in this wound of mine and it's not your responsibility to fix this or heal this with me but it really goes a long way when you just send out a touchstone of a text so then your partner becomes more aware of your sensitivities but doesn't feel responsible to make you feel better all the
0: time yeah definitely definitely and as like as you're talking through that i was like thinking of scenarios that that like have happened mm-hmm. yeah and i think for me it's like i feel like for most people in our society it's like situation response just yeah. no no pause in the response and the response could be passive aggressive and sassy, the response could be like, well, I'm going to take 24 hours to respond now. Like it could be all of Mm -hmm. these things that are not getting us any closer to our hearts. And I feel like in relationships, it's so important to feel like you're both on the same team. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when we do those other things, it creates distance versus when you take the time to take care of yourself and communicate in an effective way, you know, that brings us closer together. And I think like when we talk about that process, it may, we make it sound like, oh, it's the body and then this thing. And you just realize it all in that second. And it's so easy. And I think like it can take time and it takes time alone. And it takes like being present with your, with your body and your mind and like all the different stories and kind of totally. like picking apart that, that process.
1: You're exactly right. And it, it absolutely. So the, the practice I'm, I'm using as inspiration is called the warrior heart practice. And it was um it's a Tultic practice and it was channeled through um, one of my favorite teachers, Heather Ash Amara. So her book is called the warrior heart practice and it walks you through a step-by-step process of, of going from confusion and reaction to clarity. But I will tell you that once you understand that emotions are your responsibility to under like to process, you can react all you want, but then you have to go back and take, take an inventory of what just happened to you. And a lot of people are becoming more and more responsible for their part in society in how they relate to this world so it's a great it's it's great progress that we're seeing
0: yeah I think something too that's that I'm thinking about kind of from this conversation too is I think um you and your partner's processing time like may be different um and I think that's something like I've encountered I feel like I process things very quickly And immediately, like I'm able to talk about it very quickly, and I feel like for my partner sometimes it's like weeks later Mm -hmm. that he'll have like that insight or be able to process it. And I feel like I'm like immediately like in the processing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and I think just like leaving space for that, and I think sometimes it's just like going to your your partner with like, "Hey, I'm telling this story that." um last night because we weren't like intimate that you like don't think I'm sexy like I just like need affirmation that that story I'm telling myself isn't true or like what was the reason like what actually did happen there and I think like yeah just the uh, the confirmation that like what the negative thought in your brain isn't true is like really healing
1: it absolutely is and that's why Being in a safe relationship where you can say, the story in my mind is this, and I know it's not true, but I need to say it out loud so it doesn't take over my thoughts and then dictate how I show up in this engagement, in this interaction. It's very healthy. It's very 100%. And And ultimately, whether or not your boyfriend or your partner of your choosing wants to have sex with you, um, you know, it's ultimately like, his or her decision to process that with you. Right. And so like you feel like, oh my God, I am so sexy. If he's not wanting to engage in this, it doesn't, it's not a reflection of who I am. It's a reflection of what he's going through. And if you can just work on that intention of like, I'm safe, I'm okay. I'm desirable. I am sexy. This is not about me. Um, when you show up to his, you know, to that conversation, you can say like, can you tell me more about like what's happening for you? So it's not so much about reassuring you as much as it is about like, what was going on? Are you okay? What's happening? We usually fool around at this time and we didn't. So are you working through something yourself?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think like talking about our emotions can be really hard, but then it's like, I think there's like a extra level of like intimacy when we're talking about our emotions and then like also sex at the same time, like it can feel like super vulnerable to, to talk about both of those things as well. And especially, you know, like such a core belief or such an intense belief of like, I'm not desirable. Like that's like really triggering for people mm-hmm. to talk about.
1: Yeah. And for, and so for you to just advocate and, and, almost like disempower the, what is that? The fragility or the, the, the shame around it um,
0: definitely makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I, I know you talked about too, kind of like our exit strategy. Like if you want to talk, like what are maybe some like examples of like, what is your typical exit strategy, not in communicating an effective way, but like ways that we avoid Shut down or yeah. avoid the problem. Yeah.
1: So, exit strategies are coping mechanisms that take us out of an emotional state or a state of discomfort in whatever way. And so, when we're in relationship, a lot of times we would rather deny or brush things off and not engage in a dialogue around it because it just doesn't seem important or it might seem way too big right? So some exit strategies, they can be catastrophic strategies, like really difficult ones to get over. Um, I'm talking extreme cases like uh, multiple affairs or murder or like crazy things like that versus like, oh, I'm just going to stay late at work or I'm going to throw myself into this project and not really feel Yeah. So to know your at- exit strategies and say, okay, like, I know this is work. This works. Cause I get out of my head and I focus on something else. Um, I'm not actually dealing with the problem. Yeah. I like yeah. to catch yourself. Oh God, here I am again. I know I need to talk about this, but I'm avoiding it. Um, because maybe you felt intimidated or that it's not important, or you wouldn't be received the way you needed to be received if you brought it up. So knowing that is the, you know, kind of like calling yourself out and be like, okay, I need to take responsibility for this one.
0: Yeah. What do you say you do? What are mine? (laughs) Yeah. Um, mine have definitely like overworking was definitely like the way I avoided emotions in the past. Um, and then I think also like, like dissociating in the moment that it's, that I'm triggered and going completely offline. Um, and then I feel like, like having a really strong emotional reaction and like just starting to cry, mm-hmm. even if I'm not like just feeling sadness, like if the emotion is just like very intense just mm-hmm. to start crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That
1: sounds like more of a, an guess like a a release and an, an exit how how does how does crying serve as an exit for
0: you you're actually right like the crying could maybe bring me closer I think in the past it was more like I was overworking and I was in a I was avoiding so like the crying was like like I can't hold this in anymore but I wasn't able to like have a conversation about it I was just like my body was like overwhelmed with the things that I wasn't feeling. Right.
1: That's so true. Sometimes I've noticed if myself, I'll be so trained in getting to the core of whatever trigger I was triggered by and like the story and I'd get to the intention and I wouldn't communicate what happened because I figured it out. And so like, I just have to constantly be cleaning up on my side of the street instead of like saying, Hey, can you stop dumping this on mine? Cause I kept, I have to keep cleaning. So mm-hmm. um, bringing it to your partner and saying like, Hey, I'm not sharing with you my process and I'm just keeping it to myself. That's a form of exiting too. It's like, no, being in relationship requires you to be vulnerable in the mess. Um, and let them see
0: how they can show up for you differently to help you as you keep cleaning up. Yeah, and I think I've I think I've realized um the person I guess that I was with before that I I had a lot of anxiety before bringing up like topics or talking about my mess and in this relationship it feels like it's so open that I don't feel that way, which is really nice and I think that's like has also been a sign or felt indicative of, like, you know, I feel comfortable to show up like this. And I don't feel scared to bring up difficult things emotionally because, like, we are here for the depth and, like, the mess and, like, whatever comes up.
1: That's so good.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Was it more like your past relationships were more fragile? So, like, it couldn't, it couldn't hold the weight of reality and it had to be very surface level in order to keep the engagement and interest
0: yeah I think I think at least the past one was pretty was more surface level and I was like craving that depth but it was like I felt scared to like bring up any of my past or my mess or like when he had said something that like hurt my feelings like it did it felt like, "Oh, is that going to be like too much if I bring those things up? Whereas like with this relationship I'm in now, like those things were brought up very early, and they were just like touch points of like us deep more deeply understanding each other, and it was never like, "Oh, is this going to be too much?" It was like, "I know he's here for all of this, which mm-hmm. of course feels good <laughs> <laughs> what I hope for every single person definitely. <laughs> um yeah life life and relationships are very interesting I feel like I only get into them when I'm not expecting it
1: Ah, interesting
0: yeah I know yeah. some people it's like they need to like kind of like have that intention and put in the time but I mm. feel like for me it's always really unexpected
1: mm. that's nice
0: Which is fun um but yeah I guess I wanted to talk about too which I think we've kind of already talked about in this conversation but like emotional intelligence, generally, like, what, like, what is emotional intelligence? How do you kind of cultivate it in yourself? And then, then we can kind of talk about when people are not willing to communicate effectively, and how that goes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so emotional intelligence is really that self awareness that you are an emotional being, and so is everyone else. And, you know, it goes back to what I love is the the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, right? The first one, uh, you know, don't take anything personally, is, is that level of emotional intelligence that we all strive for. It's to say, oh, I'm feeling something. I know what it is. I can name it. And I know how to help myself through this. And I can also feel comfortable enough expressing it and, and asking for help or, or, or putting boundaries uh, between something or putting limits uh, on something. And so it's like this kind of greater understanding of what's happening inside of you to you and what you can do
0: to help yourself moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's like emotional intelligence and emotion regulation are so kind of tied together. And I think some sort of light bulb moment I had around emotions because I think I I had so much shame around feeling any negative emotions was kind of the idea that like if you want to like quote self-actualize or get closer to your purpose or like the truth of who you really are like the gateway to that is through the emotions and through feeling and through like using those emotions as guideposts and allowing ourselves to really go there with all of our emotions.
1: Totally. And a lot of times we're not just feeling our emotions. We're, we're analyzing and absorbing other people's situations and other people's stories and other people's feelings. We're assuming a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a complex, it's a complex situation that we're in all of the time trying to regulate and trying to piece through, okay, what's mine, what's yours what can I do with this? Where does this come from? Um, but that's you managing your life.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And I, I feel like, um, just other people's beliefs can like weasel their way into your thinking. And you can like, I've, I feel like I've noticed this lately, like a, a belief will weasel its way into my mind and I'll, my behavior will already start changing. And I'm like, where did this come from? And it's like the inner work of like extracting that belief. Agreeableness, right? I need, to be, I need to be like others in order to be
1: accepted. So let me adopt your beliefs if that means that you'll stick around. Yeah, even if the belief is like causing me harm. <laughs> uh, yeah, or or yeah, exactly. Like is, is causing such dissonance in my soul because it's not a reflection of my truth. And that goes back to that fear of, 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 of being alone, you know, like I cannot possibly survive without this. So I will mold myself into a character that fits this situation in order to be accepted and wanted you know? And so when those moments come up, you, I mean, at least what I hope is that we can all have so much compassion for ourselves to see the manipulation. Ah, I understand what I'm trying to do here. You know, like I can take a break and laugh about what I'm doing, give myself some compassion and then go back to, um, becoming curious about what it is that I truly believe in
0: this moment. And what's true for me. Yeah. I think, I think I absorbed some sort of belief from one of my friends about like my current relationship of like me, not really liking him that much or like something like that. Mm
1: -hmm. And that like
0: internally created shame in me that I shouldn't be as happy as I am for this Mm -hmm. because I don't like him as much as I say I do because of some belief from someone. And I was like, this is such an, I don't know, such an interesting realization. I think something I like learned from therapy too. Um, is sometimes like even if the person isn't going to get what I have to say, like sometimes I need to like stand up for what my true belief is to eliminate the belief that was negative, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. So you would you you have to stand up against yourself really. Because you're if you're super empathetic, if you're a very empathetic person, you might be very malleable because you feel what other people are feeling. And so to say like, is this mine or is this hers or his or theirs? Like, am I, is, am I really feeling this? But that, you know, that questioning just deepens the, the conviction of the truth. So it's okay to be curious and be like, let me, co- let me get some confirmation inside of me. Is this is really what I'm feeling. Oh yeah, no, no, she's wrong. But thank you for making me confirm this.
0: Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And I think too, this like beautifully kind of like segues into, I think something you said before is that like, kind of everyone needs like empathy, listening, and then like belief in themselves. And like, I think like going back to that, like always connects me to my heart and Mm -hmm. just like being able to see other people and being like, you know, maybe this friend said that thing to me because- they really are wanting a romantic relationship right now and that's not a part of their Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. and maybe they just don't you know at the end of the day they're wanting these desires and needs that we all want and maybe they're not far enough along on their journey to be able to communicate that maybe something I said was triggering to them
1: yes that's right Yeah, we don't know, and that's the best part about learning more about yourself. You have you, you become more expansive in understanding that other people are on their own journey. So it's not that you don't take their word as well. Yeah, it is. You don't take their word as 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 a commandment or or something to really truly sink into because you don't know where they're at, and it. And it's your responsibility to know where you are at. And I like having dialogue with people and I like hearing people's opinions because it helps me get clearer on what I truly believe. So instead of being so malleable and just taking in everyone else's opinion as my own belief system, I've become much more curious as to understanding how does that belief feel inside
0: of me? I like that. I I like the idea, or like the visual of like trying on the belief, like like a hat or like a pair of earrings, and you're like, mm, this doesn't fit. No, <laughs> good, good with my outfit. I'm not going to put this on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like this doesn't work for me. Um, sure. but yeah, I'd love to talk about, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate and are maybe in this situation, or like, how do I handle this? What do I do? Of kind of the situation where you're with someone and maybe your communication skills are a little bit further along and you're choosing to learn with them, or then the more extreme situation of kind of narcissism and gaslighting and like, can that be worked through? And then I guess, kind of like, for people that don't know what that is, like what are kind of some examples of that? So
1: when you are in, you're talking specifically about like a romantic partnership,
0: more. It it could be romantic, but you know, a family thing or a friendship.
1: Yeah. So, if you are choosing to engage in a relationship with someone, and you're at different levels of awareness, which is what you you know the the example that you gave, um, it's it's first to just identify that no matter the like where you guys line up, there's something for you to learn in this too. Mm-hmm. So. For example, if someone like your friend is projecting this belief that you don't really like your boyfriend as much, you might identify her as someone who's not communicating at the same level or as deep as you, but she's also teaching you so much about yourself, right? In that moment, you're questioning yourself again, you're reading into things and it brings you back to, okay, well, what do I know for sure? So it was a beautiful opportunity for you to go deeper within yourself, even though you might see her as not on the same level as you. So the first thing is to realize that everyone is here to help you deepen your relationship with yourself and, and the, the universe as a whole. Um, Secondly, if you find that a person is gaslighting is really when someone like denies your reality. So like, your boyfriend says, "Oh, I called you four times," and you look at your phone and they didn't call you four times, but then you're like, "Oh well, maybe my phone was in a weird service or you know like that and 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 sometimes gaslighting is completely um benign, meaning like they they don't even know that they're doing it they're so disconnected from reality that it's like not on purpose and sometimes it's most of the time it's self preservation they're trying to keep themselves safe from persecution judgment shame punishment all of the things rejection seem being less than and so it's a tool to get themselves out of a discomforting situation and I guess what your question really was about like how do you identify gaslighting and then how how do you communicate with people who
0: use it Yeah. And like kind of when to, like when to set boundaries and stuff as well. Hmm.
1: Well, in any relationship, it's really important for you to, to, to not need them to understand you in order for your truth to be real. Okay. So I don't need to convince you of my reality for it to be real for me. I'm open to seeing things from your perspective. I want to know what your experience was, but it doesn't change my belief of what I experienced. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if they are insistent on like, if you don't see it my way, then you're crazy or you you don't know what really happened. It's up to you to really say, oh, well, why is it so important for them to get my buy-in why is it so important for them for me to believe them versus my reality what is what's the tactic here what's the benefit for them um and if you do need to have boundaries you'll notice your body will shut down right away or will have an emotional response right it's like oh, this doesn't feel good in my body this doesn't feel natural or comfortable or right So instead of making it comfortable by just submitting and suppressing my reality to make the situation more relaxed, I'm going to realize that I don't actually need this person in order for me to be safe and in order for me to have my needs met. So it's okay that there's discomfort. It's okay that we're seeing things differently. Um, And if there's a pattern of gaslighting where this person constantly does it or consistently does it, To get something from you, whether it's your power or or your behavior to change, become more dependent upon them for reality checks, Um, you can absolutely start limiting what you share, limiting your buy-in to their story, and know that this is just how they have learned to maneuver through life, through the world, and it doesn't really have a reflection of your ability to see things in your own way
0: yeah yeah I think I think this is like obviously such such like a, a personal question but I think like a lot of people especially in romantic relationships or with family or friendships it's like when is it bad enough to leave you know and like when do I keep working on it or when is it bad enough to leave do you have any like thoughts on that You don't have like there's no like uh
1: what's the word? I mean, if, if absolutely, if you feel like you're emotionally or physically unsafe, um, it, it's a a time to process, uh, with someone that is safe, um, what exactly is happening. And if this is something that is even salvageable, salvageable or not, but if your partner is, reflective and takes responsibility and sees what they're doing and they're willing to get help and work through things and then there's some some something to heal from with the person but if you're constantly fighting and then making up and fighting and making up and fighting and making up and you and you you're slowly losing your sense of self and the world that you you once participated in is less active and you're not in relationship with friends, having your own interests, pursuing some goals of your own—that's uh, a big warning sign that this is becoming way more um, than just fighting. This is becoming changing and losing the self in a relationship.
0: Definitely, definitely, and I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I know you don't have a lot of time left, so the last two things I kind of just wanted to touch on was kind of like being a mom and like how you help, is it it a daughter, right? I have a nine-year-old son. Okay, son. So how do you help him kind of learn, you know, about his emotions and get curious and yeah, kind of like, what is that process as a parent?
1: It's been a real journey because the more I've become conscious and self-aware and uh, in my journey, I've shown up better for him. Um, And so I guess the comfort level I have with my emotions uh, gets reflected in how I show up for his emotions. Like you said, like you weren't, you didn't feel comfortable expressing negative, negative uh, emotions. Um, So when I'm, if I were to see my son having, a difficult time and, and expressing something hard and uncomfortable. I notice in myself, like, oh, what's this triggering inside of me? Like, why am I having a reaction this way in the moment? And then I try to help myself while I show up for him because he doesn't need a mother who's reacting to his discomfort in like such a you know dismissive way or shutting it off or shaming him for feeling a certain way. So it's more of just like honoring the role that I have. And the role that I see is a mirror for him to be accepting of himself. It's not that I'll tolerate or enable it, but I certainly won't make him feel like he can't handle it. You can, I can't save you from everything, but I know that you can handle anything and I'm going to help you do that. And whatever shows up I believe in your ability to make the right decision. And if mistakes happen, we can fix it. So that's how I, I try my hardest to, to keep that safe space open for him, knowing that I have the responsibility to process and it's totally normal for me to have a reaction to something. And usually it's something that I need to heal if I do.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so beautiful. And I have like, Way younger sisters, and it's been so interesting to see them learn about their emotions, or to uh, <laughs> be shamed for them sometimes. And I feel like one of my sisters is more sensitive, and I always go back to like, it's okay, like you're okay, what are your feelings okay.
1: We all are, exactly. <laughs> And even if it doesn't um, change the outcome of the situation, you still are allowed to feel it. So if I ever were to say like, no to my kid. And he has a strong reaction, he's totally allowed to be disappointed. And I'm totally empathize. Yeah, that sucks. I know. You want this and you can't have it. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. And leaving space for that. Yeah, so I guess the one thing just wanted to end on I know last time you kind of brought up like, obviously, this is a big one. So say whatever you have time for, and we can always talk about it again. But kind of like in our society, how there's been like a little bit of like an overcompensation for like our emotions and empathy. And I remember last time you said like, it's good that we are moving in this direction. I think it's way better than where we were before, but there's been some sort of overdoing it in some sort of way.
1: I think we're, we're all repairing what has been done to us, right? And we certainly don't want to have it repeat itself in our children. And so there is this, I am reparenting myself while I parent a child happening.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: sometimes parents will project their wounds onto their children when their kid wasn't experiencing that same situation that they might have in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's like really important for us as parents to understand is the situation that I am in right now, my past coming in for healing my inner child, or is this really what my child is experiencing in this moment? How can I show up fully aware of my psyche and the
0: child's experience? That's what I was, I think, referring to. Definitely. And it's a delicate dance, but thank you so much for coming on and us diving into all of these things. And I'm just really excited for this episode and for people to hear more about it and pause and kind of think about their triggers and communication and all the important things.
1: Amen. Thank you, Madeline.
0: It was very, very fun to be here with you. Yeah, you're so welcome.